Welcome to Demond Does the Six Questions, where the same six questions can tell a unique story. I am your host, Demond, father of two, husband of one, and leader of this here Demondcast. And before we get started, remember to get on your favorite podcast app, leave a five-star rating and review, and so more people can see the show. My guest may be the nerdiest nerd to ever nerd. From Ren Fairs to cosplay, from D&D to Decima, this educator is very much a Mary Sue. Give it up for the Golden Lasso Girl, Kimmy best introduction I've ever received ever that is fantastic <laughs> I'm stealing it you're gonna look at my Twitter bio for golden lasso girl and it's gonna be that like now yes! um, wow <laughs> yes. so I am Kimmy I am golden lasso girl uh, on the internet is generally how I'm known and yeah I do a whole lot of really nerdy things and you did a fantastic job of wrapping them all into a very succinct little bio intro there so well done it took me a minute to do that because you do so <laughs> many things and we'll get into at least some of them. <laughs> I don't I like how you described it. You collect hobbies. Like that's that's awesome. Yeah, that's my hobby. My hobby is collect hobbies. So I'm never bored, I'm always tired. <laughs> well, you're a mom as well, so that that comes that far too. with the doors. Of course. <laughs> yeah. Yes. So yeah, my daughter just turned one, so I'm very tired all the time. <laughs> ah, yes, welcome to the club. Yes, it's exciting. Before we get into the six questions, <laughs> where do you want to be found on the internet? You can find me a bunch of different places. The place I'm most active is Twitter. I'm at Golden Lasso Girl, spelled just like it is because I'm a big Wonder Woman fan. You can also find my cosplay and stuff at goldenlasso.net. It's not super active. That's my my old blog is there and. It's not super active, but you can kind of find links to everything else there. Um, and you can find my gaming company, which is kind of my big focus right now, at goldenlassogames.com. So, and there is all the, the RPGs, tabletop RPGs that I'm designing right now, which is very fun. Is there anything else? Just, just, just uh, anything else you're interested in? Well, yes, there's always more. <laughs> uh, there's also my band that I, I'm in called The Mary Sues, which you wrapped in so nicely in your little intro there. And that's marysuesband.com. Oh, it's so frustrating with COVID. We've been like delayed, but we're actually going to yeah. jump into the studio hopefully soon. So if you wait a bit, you'll go and you'll, there'll be more music there. But right now there's only the one Christmas song we did about Baby Yoda. So, <laughs> Oh my gosh. I, I, evidently I missed that on my research. I gotta go hunt that down now. <laughs> I also run the Happy Jacks RPG Network. You can find that at happyjacks.org. And that is a collection of podcasts and streams for tabletop RPGs. We have an advice show. We do actual plays. I'm in a lot of them, but I also am kind of the, the manager behind the scenes who just casts everything and keeps the schedule going and all of that. So I'm kind of like the, the, the team mom for that. Ah, <laughs> Before yes. I was an actual mom, I had like 40 other kids that I just like <laughs> wrangled the schedules together. Profession You're a professional cat herder, uh, basically, as an educator, yeah. right? So <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, that's just the, that, those skills transfer. See? <laughs> 
I used to teach preschool, and then I started teaching elementary school, and now, you know, I just I just heard all the, the nerd cats ever. That's awesome! <laughs> oh, that's fantastic. Thanks. Alrighty, are you ready to answer the six questions? I am, I'm very excited. Question number one. How did you get into the nerd culture? You know, my origin story, you know, um, I was formed out of clay on Thermoscura by my mother. <laughs> the, my big intro to that, I have to say, was like, when I was like nine, Batman the Animated Series was like in its heyday, and I'd like count down to watch it every day. I was just like waiting to see if my mom would be able to pick me up and get me home from school and stuff in time to see it. And about that same time, a friend of the family like was going to college, and they we had a bunch of old comic books. So they gave them to me and my little sister. My mom wasn't into comics. And they're like, oh, here, comic books are for kids. There's a lot of not for kid comic books in that box, by the way. <laughs> but <laughs> in there were some just such amazing stuff. Like George Perez, like a big chunk of the, his run of Wonder Woman. Wow. Was in there, which was amazing. Um, I still have those. And then, gosh, a, a bunch of X-Men, different ones. Uh, the New Mutants was in there, which is like, whoa, like as a kid, you're like, oh, they, these are kids too. And you like, and I just really connected with that. So all of that was just kind of a touchstone that sent me off in that direction as a child. And then I became the Star Wars trivia champion of my middle school. So I was very cool, very cool. Legit, that's what we did at break and lunch is sit and see who knew the most shit. Um, oops, sorry. It's, it's fine. Shit. It's fine. We're okay. adults here. Following that very cool, like obviously very popular line from my childhood, I, I was always interested in all that stuff. Super into Lord of the Rings, played MMOs from like Ultima Online was my first MMO where I made, a, a, or I was part of an elf guild where we actually spoke Quenya to each other in the game. So unfortunately... <laughs> Yeah, unfortunately, you can't really put Quenya on a resume. So, but I knew that second language. It was fantastic. Wow. <laughs> I think my real, yeah, wild, right? I think my real, like, entry into, like, nerd culture, though, is, like, like becoming a community with it was the Renaissance Fair. That I joined that after high school. The Renaissance Fair is, at the time, the Southern California Renaissance Fair was near my hometown. And a bunch of people had, like, got, we go every year and, like, some people were working it. So when I graduated from high school, I went again and I'd kind of gone over the years and thought it was fun. But then I was like, hey, I can like work here. So, you know, I showed up, I snuck my way into an audition I wasn't supposed to be in. Um, and I got cast in a show um, of all these women singing. And it was kind of like history. Like it became a thing where, you know, I, I worked Ren Fair for almost 15 years and it became seriously like my family. Like to this day, the people that, you know, I worked Ren Renaissance Fair with are my closest friends. Um, and so, some of them are in my new band, <laughs> the Mary <laughs> Seuss. And that just kind of led its way to me learning how to do costuming for the Renaissance Fair, which then led to led me into cosplay because I was like, hey, I can sew, sew I can I sew leather stuff all the time. I can totally sew like a leather Wonder Woman outfit because that's what it should look like, man. Oh, man. The, my, the first time I cosplayed, I think it was Comic-Con 2012. 2011 something in there they'd just come out with that wonder woman pilot where she looked like she was made of plastic that with adrian pilecki and i was so frustrated because i was really happy about her casting but it was like all plastic so i was like i know i'll use my ren fair sewing skills to make a authentic like sort of roman looking leather outfit no one's ever thought of that i'll be the first person to go to comic-con and dress up <laughs> 
Yeah. <laughs> I'd also never been to Comic-Con before, by the way. In this prepping for this costume, and I discovered this thing called cosplay on the internet. And there were these forums where people talked about costuming as co superheroes. And that just, like, led this huge other divergent path. So it's kind of funny how, like, the nerd things in my life have kind of dominoed and caused the others. Mm -hmm. And from there, uh, again, like, pe all the people I met at Ren Fair, we'd sit around between our shows all day and just talk about nerd stuff. And one of the things we'd talk about is tabletop gaming. So finally, after, like, four years of doing this, a bunch of us were like, hey, why don't we actually game together because all of us were like talking about gaming all the time but none of us were actually gaming mm. it was one of those things where like oh yeah i remember in college i used to game all the time and oh and i wish i had time for that now and we're sitting here for literally hours together <laughs> talking about it <laughs> so we built a studio to record the bands because there's like three or four bands who all performed at the ren fair together so we made a little studio and in someone's like garage and we we're like hey we're, we're not using this very often we should like record ourselves talking about these role-playing games. Like, like we will share our knowledge, like, after we'd been playing for, like, five minutes again. And that just, like, snowballed into this huge thing where now we have, you know, like, four to six APs running at a time, and we have our weekly show on top of that where we give advice, and a bunch of us have started writing and publishing our own RPGs, which is, I'm, I'm one of those. So after years and years of... Like, I think it's been over 10, we've definitely over 10 years wow. of that podcast. Wow. Yeah, we're, we're like one of the like old school, like role playing game podcasts and actual plays. Yeah, that kind of has inspired a bunch of us to write our own stuff and inspired me to write my own thing. Decima, which you mentioned in the intro, mm -hmm. which is my world building game that you play before you play basically any system. You can use it with D&D, Savage Worlds, Shadowrun, whatever you want. So it's kind of designed to be like that generic pre-game character connections setting builder map maker tool that you can play with with your group like now i'm here and i cosplay and i have a oh yeah in a band i miss playing making music so i got two of my my best friends cb who's just they are just like the most incredible music writer i'm really good with lyrics so generally i write you know my the lyrics hand it to cb and they like make it into music and then my friend Carol's amazing bass player. So the three of us are just like this little trio called the Mary Sue's. In between all of that, sometimes I sleep. I don't believe you. <laughs> yeah, not a lot, not a lot. In between that, I grade papers and do my actual real world job. <laughs> wow. Oh, my goodness. Your cosplay as Big Barda became the official DC bombshell a model for the bombshell figures. Is that correct? Yes. Uh, no, that's absolutely correct. There's actually a big group of my friends who were doing the bombshells group. Um, when they had just come out with the statues at the time, we had no idea that, that they had like comic books planned or anything else. They came out with a couple statues. There was like Wonder Woman and Batgirl um, and Hot Girl. There's like six of them, I think. I don't remember exactly which the original ones were. And they were just selling like crazy. So DC was like, okay, like obviously looking to make into more stuff. So they started making like posters and some stuff of a bunch of other characters and it sort of filled out. There's this big group of my friends that were doing a group and they were like, hey, do you want to be in this group? And I was like, yes. And they're like, oh, we already have a Wonder Woman. I was like, no. <laughs> so I was like, <laughs> they're like, I forget what character was still available. And it was like a character that I'm like, I don't really that interested in that. Like... I like doing brunettes because I hate wearing wigs. Mm. So wigs are just so uncomfortable, especially on a on a con day. So I was like, okay, who's a brunette? Who could I do? 
And I was like, I was like looking through the pictures and I was like, Hey, they don't have a Barda. There was no Barda design, like in any of the stuff I could find online. They hadn't released anything. So I asked the group, I was like, Hey, can I do like an original design for big Barda since there isn't a design and, it, and just make sure it looks like it goes with the group. And they're like, sure. Yeah, that's fantastic. So I am a huge fan of Big Barda. She like right up there with Wonder Woman for me. She's just fantastic. So I did like a deep dive into her, like how I could interpret her in that kind of bombshells look. So I went with a kind of a military inspired look. Um, I used like a World War II German cap that I got at like a store and, you know, and put her little samurai inspired like horn design on that and, and interpreted it like that. Just like like the minutia of the details on that costume are just ridiculous in their <laughs> symbolism for me for that character, and it was really exciting because uh, actually, a tiny little show at the time on, I don't even remember what cable nerd channel it was, came and they did some filming of like oh here's the fabric I've chosen and they did like some like just for a cute uh, just a sh short little snippet pre Comic Con that year I think they played it like at the DC booth or something, so I actually have like a little bit of like the progress like documented which is neat because I usually put things off and then do them in a big rush so I don't have any time to actually document the process <laughs> <laughs> I just don't sleep like the three weeks before comic-con generally is how that works um and uh so that was cool and so I went and we had a, just a phenomenal time and people just went crazy because they were it was really popular at the time and they then they announced like oh they were going to do the comic book line I think there and a bunch of other things so the group kept getting photographed and photographed and photographed um, and at one point we we're at the DC booth, because that's one of the things you do as a cosplayer. If you have a big group, you go to the booth of that owns the property that you decide to do the for. And they usually put you on the stage because it's great PR for them and all that stuff. Was there and this guy in like this weird suit with that's like made of like Batman print, like comes and starts talking to me about my costume. Because he's obviously like a super fan of like DC stuff. And then like, like the weirdest thing, he like starts to hand me a card which seems weird because usually you just talk to the fans. You're like, hey, yeah, oh, I love this character. I love this character too. Oh, you did this. I like how you did this on your outfit, blah, blah, blah. Okay, yeah, yeah. And he's like, yeah, hi, my name's Jim Fletcher and I'm running the Bombshells line right now. And I'd be really interested in talking to you about using this design. And I was like, I'm sorry, what? I'm sorry. <laughs> and he's like, I'm a huge Big Barda fan. She's my favorite. And we've been trying to do different designs and you just nailed it. You like, everything about this is perfect for Big Barda. <laughs> and I was just like, and they just like melts it. Like, I know this is an audio podcast, so just my look of blank shock there. I hope that 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 beat of silence just like showed you the melty thing that happened to me on the floor of Comic-Con that day. And like all the girls around me are like freaking out. And I'm just like, no, like I'm, I'm like waiting for like the weird candid camera camera or something. Because that stuff happens at Comic-Con a lot. Um, but then like the, 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 the card he handed me was legit. And I like emailed him and he emailed me back and I ended up being able to go to DC and like took my costume and they like looked at parts of it. They took a bunch of, you know, I sent them a bunch more pictures and yeah. And I got to sign a contract. Of course their contract is like, you can say you did this. We will never admit that you did it, but and for, they didn't realize though that with DCL access, I guess they don't talk to the people who do bombshells because oh. they themselves documented the process of me creating and designing this outfit. <laughs> <laughs> So it's like, whoo, best mistake ever. Right. So, you know, they've never, they've never denied it. Actually, they've never acknowledged me in any way, like officially, mm -hmm. like with some winks and nods a couple of times there, which is a little weird. And 
like the real like kicker, which is just like, just like this, like this is a world exclusive. I've never actually admitted this like publicly. They actually never paid me. They owed me two hundred and fifty dollars uh, for my design, and they never paid me. <laughs> wait a minute. Right. Wait a right? minute. <laughs> Wild, what? Huh? Yeah. Super wild. And I, like, emailed him for, like, months back, uh, like, about it. I was like, hey, like, I know it's only 250 bucks, which it should have been a higher, 100%. If, like, they were asking me now, I'd be like, okay, let's, like, thought, let's negotiate this. Right. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I was, I was a super fan. I was, I wasn't new to cosplay, but it was the first time, like, someone of that magnitude or, or, or a company had paid that much attention to my cosplay. Right. And I was just like... I was my one of my favorite characters. They wanted to make my design canon. I was like, for any amount, I would have probably still said yes. Right. But their original design for her before they saw mine was a uh, like a derby a derby girl player. Mm. So they ended up actually, and I think because they never paid me, I think they, there's like legal gray area there. I don't know. But they ended up never actually making a statue of my design, which kind of makes me sad. I would have bought it in a heartbeat. Like, I would have paid money for the thing that they took from me, whatever. So if you look at the Big Barda bombshell, like, actual statue by T. Miller Sculpt is uh, the amazing, the hashtag for the, or the the handle for the person who does all their sculpting. It's just phenomenal. Um, and he's a big fan of mine. And he's been super cool about it. I love your design, like, on his socials, so... But they did, the, they went with the Big Barda Derby Girl, even though she only appeared in like three episodes of the, com or three, three comics. So that's my dramatic story about that. Wow. <laughs> I, wow. Yeah. That is yeah. uh, quite the tale. <laughs> it's wild, right? But it's pretty cool. Like, like I actually own like action little like figures of me because it's me in my head at least. Well, yeah, that's awesome. You know, I learned a lot about uh, the process. I learned a lot about what I need to ask for as an artist for, like, my creations and stuff like that. So there's been a lot of cosplayers who've been acknowledged by creators or brought high by creators because they do great interpretations of things that artists have done mm -hmm. it for the comic books and things like that. Um, as far as I know, and it's kind of like my one little, like, like, I'm very proud of it. This is the first time that I know of that a cosplayer has done, has influenced the opposite direction mm. where a cosplayer has come up with a design that is then brought into the comic world, which is pretty exciting. And it, like, as annoying as it is about the, the money and stuff like that. And I knew I would never be like officially acknowledged that was in the contract I signed. So I was like, whatever with that. But there's just, it's so cool. Cause I love Big Barda and I just love that. Like, no matter what happens, like, that is, like, a little bit of Big Barda that is history because of me. And that's just makes me so happy. Like, I can't, like, you're all nerds. You get it. Like, there's just, like, this level of fan fanness there and fangirling that I just, like, will never, never get over. <sighs> Wild. That is, <laughs> that is phenomenal. I have interviewed some, uh, I've interviewed some very interesting people. And it, I never, it never ceases to amaze me. And that's unbelievable. I'm just dumbfounded by the story you just told it's me. So exciting. It's yeah. it's crazy. Well, and I think and I, I think it really goes to show like when people put their like real love and dedication into something, like even though like like people make fun of us nerds all the time for our like attention to minutia and our dedication to silly details about the things we love. But like I really honestly feel like that was one of the cosplays. Like I, I 
I'm into detail. I'm into doing like Nolan-esque, very realistic interpretations of characters. Something that looks like, like, isn't spandex. Like, I use real metal. I use real leather. I use all these things. But that was the first costume that I'd really gotten to use my total creativity on. Like, okay, the blue I'm going to pick because it matches her scales, but also, you know, and it's got lines in it. So it like, cause it's like this pinstripe blue that the outfit I made, and that's going to represent the scales for me. So I did, cause I didn't want it just to be plain blue fabric. And it's cause I wanted something textured there. And you know, the, the certain color I picked for like the piping around the jacket and all the different things. And it had to be this perfect color of like bronze, like bronzy gold to match like what she's supposed to be. like all these little details that 98.5% of people like don't even notice. It's like, Oh, it's gold. I'm like bronze, bronze, bronze. bronze. <laughs> um, you know, like I just feel like when we take that and we own it and we like pour it back into the community or into our art or into whatever we're creating somehow, like you get really amazing special stuff. It's very cool and empowering and like anybody can do it if you just like embrace that love you have for stuff. Question number two. What do you wish you had known when you first started out? Oh man, that's such a good question. I mean, I think like, like most of us, especially cosplayers, I wish I'd gotten into cosplay earlier. I was so, I, I think I wish I'd known cosplay was a thing sooner. I was in my late 20s, and I was 20 um, when I started cosplay, which is really late for a cosplayer, and really late, especially for a femi, like a, someone who identifies as a woman cosplayer, because it's a very appearance-driven thing. Mm. Wishing that I'd, ha I, that I'd had the skills I had back then, um, and like the irony is like my mom and my grandmother like teaching me to sew as a kid and like hating it. Um, <laughs> and then like trying to remember and like getting all those skills back as like an adult to start making like car cartoon costumes. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and I think I just would have like, like told myself like, like just do what you want. I feel like so many of us, especially in the nerd community, get really wrapped into our heads about, I think especially like millennial nerds that we have to find a way to monetize our hobbies and we have to find a way to like, like make that a thing. And it becomes like another job sometimes. And I really got stuck in that kind of loop a lot at the beginning of my cosplaying and like wanting, Oh, I've got to get more followers. I've got to get more of this. I've got to like, Oh, I know I'll, I'll start a blog. Like, like you just have, you, I think we're just like programmed that way for, for the millennial generation to like, got to make the money, got to have the side gig. And I wish I just like, hadn't worried so much about that and just done like done it more for fun. And I never made money off of it was like the big thing. Like I never even made my $250 from DC. <laughs> so <laughs> I mean, I had a blast, but I think I would have had even more of a blast if I just like not sweated, like people seeing my stuff and just enjoyed myself. Uh, <laughs> and I think I think I would have leaned more also into like helping other like I, like I started doing tutorials kind of late. I wish I started doing that early because I'm a teacher. I love doing that stuff anyway. It's something that's just part of my soul. I love sharing knowledge and getting people to do cool things, especially projects. Um, and I wish I'd discovered that slice of, of cosplay earlier so that I could like have brought that joy in. Uh, speaking of teaching, you are a third generation teacher. Is that correct? 
I am, yeah. So my uh, my grandmother and my grandfather were teachers, um, and then both my parents were teachers. They met teaching high school, um, and I am a fourth grade teacher. So wow, it's a, yeah, it runs in the family, like hardcore in the family. And it's one of those things where I was like, my whole life, I'm not gonna be a teacher. I'm not gonna be a teacher. I'm not gonna be a teacher. And then you know, in college, I was looking for a job that was really predictable that would leave me weekends free to do the Renaissance fair. And I was like, oh, okay, I'll do, I'll do preschool teaching. Okay. And then I, so I was running a, a classroom for two-year-olds and I just loved it. It was so fun every single day. And I would have stayed teaching preschool if I could have made a living at it, but it's really hard to do. They don't pay preschool teachers nearly enough. So I ended up getting my degree and becoming an elementary school teacher, which has been fantastic. And I love it. This year has been hard, but it's yeah. still just incredibly rewarding. So I'm interviewing the cool teacher in your elementary school. The cool teacher. Yeah. They, this year has like, I'm usually really strict, like, like Diana Prince and Wonder Woman, like separate, like my professional life and, and my nerd hobbies. And like this year, because like we started doing hybrid where I have to stream my, my lessons. So like half my class is with me in person. Half of them are at home on the internet. Um, my district brings me like this little rinky dink like laptop i'm supposed to stream on i was like no 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 so i bring in my giant like retired streaming computer not my current one but my old one and my my students are like uh miss hughes that that's a big gaming computer oh is it oh so i'm like still trying but they're like like i've got my little light set up and like the green screen they are very suspicious I love it. So I'm just like waiting for the day I'm on Twitch and Miss Hughes? Miss Hughes, is that you? And like chat and I'm like, oh well, <laughs> the cover's blown. Busted. That's all. Yeah. <laughs> That's fantastic. I love it. Yeah. <laughs> Question number three. Usually this is, what is your go-to order at your favorite hometown restaurant? However, considering the subject we're talking (laughs) about, what is your go-to snack for game night? And I know you guys like to drink on the show, too, so if you want to share share your favorite, share some of your favorites there, too. By all means. Uh, Oh, my God. Okay, so two things are my absolute favorite. I love Swedish fish. Like, Mm. they are my favorite. I love them. I could eat so many of them uh, my favorite thing to drink is what i call kimmy apple pie but it's i'm sure it's got a better name but that's what i've called it it's basically any kind of apple hard apple cider and then a bunch of i can't believe it, i can't remember what it is i've been pregnant for a really long time i haven't had a lot to drink in like a year now <laughs> um and then fireball whiskey in it so you like you mix it <laughs> what and it literally yeah like hard cider and fireball whiskey in there and the cinnamon from the the fireball whiskey mixes with the apple taste and it tastes like apple pie and it will get you really really drunk very quickly and it tastes really yummy demand does does not uh proclaim any responsibility <laughs> uh for any accidents yeah from no, no, no. Apple don't pie. drink a drive that's terrible like but if you like apple pie and you have a safe place to be for a long period of time that's a that's a good drink how did you discover this um, I love hard cider and I liked fire. Like I, I'm not a big, like, like hard liquor drinker. I like sipping things. And what happens is people bring stuff to the studio and it gets left there. And then while we're playing or recording, we're like, Hey, what alcohol is there? 
fireball whiskey. Like, that's it? Like, someone brought fireball? That's, like, terrible whiskey. Uh, it's like, like, we all have our bad, like, college or high school memories of someone bringing fireball because like that's like that's most most people you say fireball and everyone remembers like that one night they had with fireball and they're like oh um <laughs> but like that's all there was is like i had like a angry orchard and like there's some like fireball there and i was like this is all we've got like let's make it work and i poured it in together and i was just like oh this is so good. I actually started buying Fireball whiskey for the purpose of putting it in this. There are better, there are better cinnamon whiskeys out there. I know people have like added me about it, but <laughs> that's generally the one that I can get like anywhere. So any kind of cinnamon whiskey and like apple hard cider, just like usually a very good combo. Question number four. What are you curious about? I'm curious about everything. I'm absolutely an incredibly curious person. I spend a lot of time on the internet falling through like the rabbit holes. Like you start looking something up and then you start looking something else up and something else up. Gosh. Yeah, I, I think I'm curious about like everything. I think that's one of the reasons I became a teacher because I love the curiosity I see in other people. I love being the the person who knows the answers to their questions in fourth grade and they come up with wild questions sometimes and it's like cool if you like know the answer so <laughs> it's good to like and then it like it's good to be like i have no idea let's look that up together so the thing i'm most curious about right now is stuff involving game design because that's kind of where my main focus is at the moment <laughs> it's the hobby i can do after my baby goes to sleep every night and does i don't have to coordinate schedules with anybody i can write my game like whenever i can get on a computer and I think a lot of things I've, you know, I've been trying to do, a lot of gaming companies offer tutorials or uh, Magpie Games right now is running like a series of classes you can sign up for on different elements of game design. Um, so I've been taking those. They have one coming up that I've signed up for that is about art and art layout and how to like, you know, really like optimize that for your game. So that, that's, that's the thing I'm most curious about right now. I'm working on a sci-fi game, um, a PBTA hack, which I'm currently calling um, Starscape. Mm -hmm. There's no damage in the game. So like think like you can get hurt, but like it's not like most games like D&D or something where you track damage and you can die. You actually really can't die unless you want to. It's to recreate like Star Trek or Firefly and things like that. Okay, obviously not Serenity, but Firefly with no dying. You know, you have this core cast of characters and while like, yes, danger's a thing, they get hurt. Like, unless someone, like, leaves the show, like, they're not, the core characters don't really ever die. They can magically make a new spine for war for whatever. So, like, there's nothing, like, really terrible going to happen to them physically. The main focus is their relationships to each other. How much do they trust each other? Someone betrays them. Oh, they lose trust. So it's kind of that, like, dramatic element in there that the game is designed to recreate more than physical danger and things like that. So... That's a big thing I'm working on right now, and I'm trying to like fiddle with that. I'm doing like very alpha testing of that. So just reading other games and like absorbing that, like what did they do for this and what did they do for this and how do they lay this out and how did they phrase this and so that's that's what I'm curious about right now. Game design things. Question number five: Is there anything I should have asked but didn't? Well, yeah, you should be curious. You should ask about everything. <laughs> Is there anything specific I should have um, asked? <laughs> gosh. <laughs> I think... How about 
asking, uh, like, how my, like, real life, my Diana Prince life, like, relates to my Wonder Woman slash nerd life? Because it is an interesting kind of balance with that. I don't know if you're more interested, you're interested in that, but. How do you balance your Diana Prince with your Wonder Woman? <laughs> my real life with, with my nerd life. It's really difficult, actually. It's hard, especially working with students. You know, I, I, I live in California, um, which is a fairly liberal state, but um, there have been a lot of cases of teachers losing their jobs for past employment, like things like modeling for lingerie in a catalog for Macy's that they, you know, that happened in California. A teacher actually lost their job for that because they thought it didn't, uh, like, they didn't want kids looking at pictures of their teacher in lingerie, even though it wasn't wasn't pornographic in any way. It was literally a Macy's catalog. So it's, there's actually really stressful elements with that, with some of my, my hobbies. You know, it's, I try and do realistic representations of my characters. Um, there have been times where I really loved an outfit and I chose not to cosplay it because I was worried if a picture of it ever came out with, I might face repercussions with my actual career. And that's hard. It's that's a difficult thing to balance. When I'm streaming and things like that, I kind of have to be aware of what characters I'm playing. I don't worry about cussing so much because like I make sure since I run the channel, I make sure it's all labeled as not for children. So if my kids end up watching, you know, my kids, I say my kids, I mean my students. When my if my students end up watching it like, hey, this was labeled as not for them. So that's kind of a choice that was made by them or their families. But I have to be really aware of that. So it's hard, it's scary sometimes. You know, you never know what is going to offend somebody else. And as I'm you know, starting a, you know, a company myself for my gaming, and as I continue being a cosplayer and now a mom myself, like it, it all kind of gets woven together. And I have to be very careful about keeping that clear line, making sure things I put on the internet are not easily found by my students. That's one of the reasons that I stay with like fourth grade and younger because they're not so Google savvy yet. Uh. Um, yeah, <laughs> but I also love them. Fourth grade's a fantastic age. They're like nine, 10. They're just discovering what interests them. Mm. And I remember being that age and being like, oh wow, history's cool and things like that. <laughs> I think that's the biggest challenge is people are so judgmental, especially of hobbies and you know communities they don't understand including the nerd community even though we have these awesome you know big marvel movies now which we didn't when i started cosplaying so i'm a little less worried about it now because it's a little more accepted but you know there's still you never know so just keeping that that line to keep myself safe is sucks that i have to do that but that's hard i do have another question okay what is the most mundane thing about you? That's a good question. I think I think uh, I drive a Prius. <laughs> <laughs> I drive <laughs> in LA. That's like literally like the most common car. It is like the belly button car of everything. Um, <laughs> I don't know. Um, I hate doing laundry too. I really hate laundry. I have my laundry chair. Like some of us have the 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 laundry chair. That's like. A, a fixture in my home. It's just like out of the way so nobody sees it. Question number six. Six. If you could create a new holiday, what would it commemorate? I think there would be a day that would be 
celebrated for all the people who felt left out because of something they loved. Mm. And I think that, that that's been such a big part of lots of different hobbies and lots of different cultures and lots of different communities. Um, I think like nerds tend to feel it a lot because our depictions in media are often like of that even. But I think there's so many people who love something and they either hide it or they, you know, they never pursue it because they think it's a waste of time or, you know, they do it in secret so nobody knows. And I just love a day to commemorate all those people. Mm. I think that would be super, super amazing and important. And it could be on May the 4th. I don't know. <laughs> that was the next thing I was going to ask you. random. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. That seems to me that's like the most nerd day I can think of. But I, I would want it to be for more than just nerds. I think nerds, like, I think we've all felt that. But I think that's also something that's really common with a lot of people. There's people who love music and they decide not to go into music because they, you know, they, they're, their parents said, hey, you'll never make a living that way. Or there's people who love design or people who love drawing or people who love, you know, writing, all these different things. You know, some people love you know, politics and things like that, like whatever you love. And then, you know, so many of us turn away from that for what's practical. And I just, I think we need a day to remind people that being practical is not always, you know, soul feeding. Do you have a, do you have a name for the day? Do I have a name for the day? I don't. That was a good question. Um, let me see. I don't know, like BU day or I don't know. I, th I feel like that needs to be workshopped for sure. I'm not good at naming things. It's the worst thing I'm at in RPGs. Oh, like okay. I will make a character. I'll write like a backstory, like pages long. And I'll be sitting there with like a blank that says name. And I'll be like, <laughs> it's like the last thing I've literally, there've been times like I legit couldn't pick a name that was good enough for the character. So like I've started playing a game and like, I still don't have a name. Like I got three <laughs> sessions into a game one time and just avoided saying my name until I finally found a name and like nobody ever knew. <laughs> that is fantastic. <laughs> yeah, the GM was super frustrated with it because they knew because they're like, what's your character name? I don't know yet. We're playing today. Yeah, just don't ask my name. It'll be fine. No one else will. They won't think of it. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Uh, oh, wait, uh, light bulb. Uh, what about Embrace Your Inner Child Day or something <gasps> along those I lines? I love that. Yeah. I, I do think, though, like, we have this idea of, like, inner child, like, doing these things is, like, like our inner child, but it's, like, like you can keep that. Like, it's not just your inner child. Like, you can right. be an adult and have these loves, too. Like, I think it's something, I think we call it inner child, and I do think we all have an inner child. That's a very important thing to nourish and continue to keep, and that, like, curiosity, like you were talking about, and that wonderment. Um, but I think we also need to acknowledge that having these side things you love is not childish. Like, this is something that adults need and that feeds us, you know, spiritually, it feeds our soul, it feeds our, it feeds our happiness, it keeps our stress levels low sometimes, unless you're like in that last three weeks before Comic-Con. And then, you know, all these things, I think, I think we need to, like, call it inner child, but know that it's not like something left over from childhood. It's mm. something that stays with us as humans. The final word. Do your thing. Like, I know that's like the generic, like, writer advice. Like, just write. Just write. Just do your thing. And, like, like you'll get better at it, no matter what it is. Like, the first costume I made, like, it was fine. It was super great at the time. Like, I, 
I, I like felt like I was Wonder Woman. It was amazing. Um, but I look at it now and I'm like, oh man, <laughs> that was over a decade ago. And man, have I learned how to make things better. <laughs> right. <laughs> it's a skill. And this is what I tell my fourth graders too, because they have this, especially in this, this um, world of streaming, like streaming is the thing they watch. They don't watch TV shows really. They watch YouTube and they watch streaming. Um, and people put on this persona of like, hey, this is something I'm excellent at. So they don't, they don't watch the hours of video gaming that the, ki- the person did to learn how to play that game. Mm-hmm. They watch that person once they become a master and have a bunch of people watching them and a bunch of sponsors. So this gen- generation of kids that I'm teaching now has lost the idea that you have to practice something to get good at it. They think you either are good at something or you're not. It's a, you know, it's a binary thing, yes or no. It's, they don't see the, hey, you can be good at something and just not know it yet. Or you can be bad at something because you have to be bad at something to eventually get good at it. Right. You know, to just like go for it. And like, I, I'm not good at drawing, but it, I firmly believe that if I dedicated the time to practicing and drawing, I could become a good drawer. Because it is a skill like anything else. It's like learning to drive. It's like anything else you do. So I think I think we need to lose that mindset of you're talented or not. Because there's this huge like gradient of ability in any type of art. No matter you're making costumes, you're designing games, you're writing books, you're drawing comic books, whatever you're doing. There are people who jump in and do it perfectly the first time. And yeah, those people are annoying. But good, good on you if you're those people. Um, but then there's the rest of us who like... We, we start and we're like, oh, I just really love this thing. And I think I have an idea for a thing. It's like, do it. And the first time you do it, it will probably be bad. And that is okay. <laughs> and just keep doing it. Do it again. And it will get better next time. And slowly but surely, it might take a very long time. Like, you'll get good at a thing. And, <laughs> you know, it's just just like like you were saying. Like, what, what are you curious about? Stay curious about your own ability to do something. Thank you so <laughs> much really? uh, thank okay. you thank, thank you. you thank you again for tuning in and before you go remember to leave a five-star rating and review remember you can find me on all the socials the instagram facebook and the twitter at demand does all one word and if you'd like to send me an email let me know what you think about the show or you have an idea for a guest or any kind of feedback, I'd love to hear it. And that's Demond Does, all one word, at gmail.com. And until next time, test negative and stay positive. <laughs>